Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Sweetman, and this is episode 87. Had a chat with Luke Buddha. Uh, you know him from the Phoenix Foundation. He also has made some solo albums, and he um, and he's done some soundtrack work with, uh, particularly with Sam Scott, also from the Phoenix Foundation, and, and with Conrad from the band. So we talk about all of that stuff. Now, look, this is the the first time in the in the history of Sweetman Podcast that this is, and we addressed this right at the start, Luke and I. This is uh, this is kind of a take two. Last year we actually, or earlier this year, we recorded our an entire podcast uh, episode, and it was a good interview. There was nothing wrong with it, but um, I think afterwards, Luke felt that maybe he'd um, it wasn't quite right. It didn't really sit quite well with him. So he asked me what the chances were of either having a listening listen to it before I put it out, or um, or doing it again. And uh, originally, I didn't really want to do it again because it was a big. You know, we spent a couple of hours talking, but uh, I certainly didn't want to. Um, the aim of the podcast is never to set anyone up and, and do that whole kind of gotcha journalism. I, I got you drunk and made you say that you didn't like someone or whatever. So um, so we ended up doing take two, which is this. So it's, it's essentially the same conversation, but of course it's never the same conversation when you have it again. We hit on some of the, the same things. We definitely go through the... Um, the life of the Phoenix Foundation, the band coming up 20 years now. We talked through this quite an amazing story of these kind of school friends that 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 formed this band and this first formed this connection around music and then um, turned it into a band, turned it into a career. Uh, is it a job? Is it not quite a job? Well, there's uh, lots of different um, peaks and valleys in the Phoenix Foundation story from going overseas to coming back home to going overseas to coming back home um, to becoming film soundtrack composers and doing all sorts of amazing things like working for Netflix and um, creating the music behind uh, uh, two or three of New Zealand's better known and loved films now so um, yeah heaps in this and um, and it was and a really Luke's really honest, painfully honest at times, I think, um, and a little hard on himself. Um, and I feel like anyone that's been involved in creative arts in New Zealand or anyone that's enjoyed the Phoenix Foundation will get a lot out of this this chat because, um, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting what we think of as success and, and, um, and how hard it is to... to um, to make it basically which I think is really one of the themes of this chat so uh, but yeah we started off talking about um, take one the take that you guys won't won't ever get to hear uh, which which I've still got somewhere but uh, anyway my thanks to Luke for for persevering with me and um, and agreeing to come back and have another chat and I hope you enjoy this this is me talking with Luke Butter. I thought it might be funny if um we talk about how we actually did this ages ago. Yeah, okay, well I wondered about that. All right, because how long ago was it? It was last year. Was it last year or was yeah, it at the start not, of this year? I think it was last year. Oh, fucking hell. But it was, it was probably towards the end of last year. It was like year. towards the end, yeah. So we got together and, and recorded a couple of hours, over a couple of hours of talking, over a couple, well I thought it was a couple of years, and you, you probably think it was a few more than, well it was a few more than just a couple. Yeah, well, I uh, basically, I... Uh, so what happened? I, I reckon, um, I was going through a little bit, well, basically I realised that I'd gotten a little bit drunk, and I... And a bit lippy. And a bit, um, well, just a bit sort of like a sad, drunk, middle-aged yeah. man. Yeah, And, um, whilst, um, you might enjoy listening to, um, <laughs> sad, bitter, 
middle-aged men, Simon, I personally, I couldn't actually stomach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the idea of it. I couldn't stomach it. <laughs> Yeah. And then I and, and I also thought that I'd maybe gone a bit far in terms of um, whinging. Well, but also uh, the fact that there are you know other people in uh, my band. Yeah, and, you, and so I don't and want your to necessarily story, yeah, yeah, yeah. whinge and whine and speak for them. Yeah, and yeah, speak, yeah. it wasn't necessarily. I thought that maybe it was verging on being mildly. Just, but I also just didn't want to be. It's fine. I can get drunk and whinge mm-hmm. at people, but I don't necessarily want that out uh, as a uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it wasn't cast. <laughs> it wasn't too bad. I mean, I, I it was. I thought it was pretty good, but um, there was a bit towards the end that was a bit, as you say, was getting a bit sort of uh, <laughs> flimsy and whiny and a bit a bit late night, too many beers deep, introspective, but. Also, the thing that's happened since then, I guess, too, is when I talked to you, the Teeth album wasn't even out. No. It was recorded, and no. we, we talk. We only talked a tiny bit about yeah. that. And, and so you had a you, you had like it. a special advanced press yes. copy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah <laughs> a file. I had heard it, but um, it, I guess it's interesting. It'll be interesting to talk a bit about. Um, you know, Teeth became more of a concrete entity. Like you actually did a bunch of shows and had yeah. an, had an album launch and yeah. had probably had some reviews and and some experience. You know, a bit of touring and stuff, and and that kind of took over. And so. Um, yeah, we can talk about that too. But um, look, last time wasn't too bad. I, I, I listened back through most of it, and then you gave me a call and said, look, I really don't know if we can let this out into the world. And a, as you know, and anyone who's been on the podcast knows, I always ask people to start with if there's anything they don't want to talk about. You know, this isn't, I don't, I don't want to do that kind of gotcha. You know, you said that on tape and it's going out. So when you rang and said, hey, look, I, I don't know about that. Can we just do it again? Of course, I'm not going to be a... a a little, you know, a jerk that says, oh, well, I got you sounding a bit sad. Yeah. And I'll release that to the world. But it really wasn't too bad. If you ever, if you ever do want to listen to it, I've, I've kept right. the file, but I won't put it out so we can tease people with that. So I think I also wanted to keep things maybe <clears throat> a little bit more succinct this yes. time. Yeah, because yeah, I yeah. tend to ramble. Well, like, likewise, and that is the mm. sort of, that's that, that's part of the idea of the, 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 the blessing and curse of a podcast. But I... I reckon the nighttime ones where I have a few drinks with people definitely rage on, you know, and, and maybe not always the best possible way. Yeah. So we're doing pretty good to be succinct now. We've rambled for quite a few yeah, minutes right. about, about something that no <coughs> one's got even, to hear. We haven't touched upon yeah, yeah. anything. <laughs> yeah, so, and I've got to try and uh, and get you to talk about some of the similar things but make, that you talked about last time, but uh, make it sound like I'm asking them to you new. And that's a, yeah, that's that's that's... A, yeah that's, yeah, that's okay. I'm I, sure we can make it feel real I, fresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fresh so and funky. I, I can't. I didn't listen to it closely enough to try and replicate it. Um, but I'm just trying to think. Where, we, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with what's going on now, or do we want to start way back at the start? Um. Do you want to talk about teeth, or do you want to? Or should we? Should we get there when we get? I don't there? know. You, you tell me. All right. Well, let's start at the start. Okay. So, the start for me was. Because, you know, you, you just posted the other day about one of your children having a birthday. And uh, and I was thinking about that, knowing you were coming back around, that well, I, I first met you when that child was just born. Right, yeah. Like, newborn. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't know, maybe a couple of months or something like that. But yeah. you, you guys were in the, in, the, in the zone of being brand new parents. Yeah. And right around that time, you'd released your... Your first full-length solo album. Yeah. Yeah. So th- I already knew um, Phoenix Foundation, and you'd released that Seasides thing, but little EP mini album thing. But the first full album came out, 
And I did a story with you for Blinks magazine, I think, Low Hum magazine. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I came around to your house and interviewed you. So that was the first time I met you. Land Cross Street. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, that, and so that's, you know, a dozen years ago or so. Yeah, 12 yeah. fucking years <laughs> of um, parenting. Yeah. How's that going? Oh, yeah, you know. You've, got, you've, got, a, you've obviously got better it gets, Well, it gets easier and not that you were Not that you were bad at it when I was, and I wasn't a parent, so I had no clue. Um, then, you know, like... <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, my God. Let's not get into that. All right. Jesus. All right. It gets easier and harder. How yeah, about yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. But <clears throat> you... So you... Yeah. So why did... Why did the solo album start happening? Because it felt like for a little while you and Sam were... Um, putting out these solo albums not not I wouldn't say to compete but just you both had solo entities and and band stuff was coming out so it was quite a busy time and I guess the other guys in the band started um, putting out solo things too around that time there was I'm thinking in the like uh, mid to late to um, you know 2006 through to about 2010 there was a lot of activity right um, <clears throat> many reasons uh, I think. One simple reason is that we all suddenly acquired Pro Tools on computers. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. So you could so we actually do the noodle at home. Yeah, yeah, had the stuff. We'd made an album, you know, we'd like sort of released some stuff with the band and so we, we thought we, we'd sort of had a bit of experience. The band creative process is, it's not that it's um, tense, but there are definitely, there are, um, it's not like, well, we all have quite different vibes mm. and it's a, a kind of a meeting of those. So in that sense, it is a collaboration. And so... And I suppose back then you were kind of tied to the record company in a way. Like, record, if if you guys were going to put everything into a pot and release it all as Phoenix Foundation, there's no way a record company was going to let you release four albums a year. No, no, no. You know, but I mean... As well. Whereas, now, whereas now people can do that, you know. Like now. Ah, shit. I don't know. I don't really understand what people can do <laughs> yeah. now. Uh, we can get onto that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Teeth. <laughs> yeah. My experience of yeah. releasing teeth. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, all, yeah, I, I kind of think, like, you know, if the Phoenix Nation released four albums in one year, that would probably be too much. Hmm. I mean, I don't know. I think that special surprise, um, t- you know, it's not that it sounded really different to Phoenix, but it, I don't know if it sounded like a Phoenix album exactly. And I don't know if Sam's one from that year, Hunt, the Hunt, Brings Us Life yeah. sounded like a Phoenix album. They were both had Phoenix yeah, 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 yeah. things about You can't them. get away from your voices. Like you did, yeah. It's not like you guys tried to change the sound of your singing. So, nah. so there is a distinctive quality that people can put together. But from my memory of them is that, that yeah, they were largely different to the overall band sound. They, yeah. So so for that reason, they, they had a right to exist or whatever. But it's just interesting that, that, that there was this real kind of almost glut of... <clears throat> but that's the other soundtracks thing. too, you know. Like, you can only yeah. do so much in New Zealand. Yeah. Unfor- unfortunately, they're pretty small. So mm. it's like, okay, you got the Phoenix Nation, you release an album, you do a tour. What's the tour? Six gigs. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it's like, oh, I'm a musician. What am I going to do now? Wait mm. around for a year until the next mm-hmm. thing. I mean, or plus we're compelled. I mean, I'm compelled to make music. Music. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's actually. Well, let's for go, better or worse. Let, let, let's go way back to. Um, pr- Pre-band, because you guys all, well, pretty much all, 
met at school and and have known each other for a long, long time and friends were friends before you made music. So let's go back to you um, arriving in Wellington and also arriving or music arriving in your life. Did, did we talk about this last I, time? I think because you're a Van Halen fan, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. <coughs> did. Did we talk about Van Halen? Well. I don't know if I want to be, uh, f- well, it's too late, but I don't know if I'm, I don't know if a Van Halen fan is quite the word. And, the, and Well, I'm probably, on, man. I'm you're do- like, what about that tattoo? I'm dormant, you know, like I, I'm not an active Van Halen fan, but you know, there's no shame, I like them. Uh, well, basically, you know, I was doing guitar lessons uh, <clears throat> up at that. Up at what is the SPCA now, you know, the old Fever mm. Hospital. There used to mm. be a music school up there. My guitar right. teacher was actually called Don King. Um, I'm how pretty was sure. It? I hope how I haven't made it up. Um, actually, he was balding. Uh, <clears throat> and funnily enough, Conrad from the band was also getting guitar lessons from him, but we did not know each other. We have one photo from that time from a big guitar concert where we are sitting next to each other, but we did not know each how, other. How old? Maybe 11. Yeah. <clears throat> and... Uh, that was like all right. I had a clamp, n- nylon string. It was like whatever, you know, ding, 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 ding. I wasn't particularly passionate about it. And then I got it. Someone gave me a book for for Christmas, how to play the electric guitar. And the main part of it was half of it was just pictures of electric guitarists and a little write up about them. Mm. And that sort of actually started getting me into it because all the photos look real cool. And one in particular <laughs> was Eddie Van Halen with his like crazy Kramer yeah. guitar, yeah. his cocaine-filled <laughs> Kramer. And for some reason, that photo really like got me, and uh, I started listening to a bit of Van Halen, mm. and I got a for my 13th birthday, I got a Squire, like a Cherry Squire Strat, and a Yamaha Budokan amp, and um, that was that really. Mm. And then so I met I, I met both Con and Sam in third form, so 13, we, we were 13 at, at Wellington High, and I think in the next year we played music together for the first time. We played a gig to the rest of the music class. I think Conrad was on drums, I was on bass, and <laughs> Sam was on guitar, or maybe mm. I was on drums, I can't remember. And it was a, a, a an, an original called Sing to the Fish, which was a total Nirvana slash Pixies ripoff, because mm. Sam had older brothers, and they listened to lots of cool music, whereas like I was into Metallica. Um, there'll be some people who'll be like, Metallica's cool. Well, maybe sort of, sometimes, maybe a long <laughs> time ago. Um, not the not that era, mm, er, mm. sort of early nineties Metallica. Yeah, that was that was the beginning of the fall, right? <sighs> yeah, it really was. Bob Rock. Um, yeah, so that's really that. So mm. fourteen, we played music together for the first time. We're mm. thirty eight now, mm. so that is twenty four years. It's kind of disgusting. <laughs> well, and you know, I guess there's been a couple of light up changes in the band over the years, but. Yeah, this group, this group of guys that kind of got together at school stayed together for quite a long time. Yeah. And the line-up changes, um, what, like, it's really because of um, pa- changing changing path, you know, like deciding to go and work a real job and not music and things like that mostly, hasn't it? Been? Yeah, things, mostly. Th- things like that, yeah. Uh, I think, um, yeah, like some people moved to Melbourne. Yeah. I think. I can't remember exactly. I think Tim Han- Hansen, who played bass on the first album, um, I think he was working in film, and he's just working such long hours, and he kind of never sort of could leave town. Yeah, yeah. F- for gigs, and it just—I think it just got to a to a bit of a point where it was like, well, we're not actually able to do anything because he he kind of 
you know, he was like quite young, but he already had a bit of a career going, mm, I mm, guess. Mm. And he now lives in London and is, you know, a freelance editor and does okay there. Mm. Saw him a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Um, he's looking great. Um, yeah, and then we had Warner and, you know, Richie Singleton was in the band for 12 years. Yeah. And he left to be like a sustainability um, advisor to the Wellington City Council. That's right, yeah. Warner just, think, had enough. Um, he makes music of on his own mm. anyway. As do, as, well, he's the manager of a guy called WD, who's this mm-hmm. weird man witch dude. I don't know if you've ever... Have you ever seen him? No. Oh, yeah. Um, good. Um, he's a soul like he's one of those kind of stink. He's a stink magnetic guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, WD, not Warner. Warner's just the yeah, manager. Yeah, yeah. So we're pretty. Oh, and then like Will, Will is Will is our percussionist. Has known Will and Conrad have known each other since they were born. Right. Um, but Will was living in England until he was about fifteen. Like for some, it's complicated. Yeah. Uh, story, and he's been in the band since he was about twenty. So only for eighteen yeah, years. Only, yeah. He's, uh, he's, the Ron, he's the Ron Woods of the group. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's the new, the new, the new guy. kid on the block. Yeah. Nah, yeah. and then uh, and then we've got Tom. Tom Corwood has been in the band since Buffalo when and yep. he, he plays bass. And then Chris O'Connor's been in the band uh, on drums since the last couple of records. Fandango. Right? So, yeah. but that's like four or five years now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I mean this seems pretty settled. I'd hope um, at this stage I think everyone who's in the band is like. Not gonna sort of stop playing music. When did the last record come out? A couple of years ago now, three years ago. I think so. Twenty thirteen, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, twenty fifteen. Yeah. yeah twenty fifteen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so you're making plans slowly towards another album at the moment. Yeah, or I mean we've started. Yeah, yeah. There's actually a few songs sort of down. Yeah. Um, we don't have a studio. That's kind of one of the main sort of things is. After putting out the album called Give Up Your Dreams. Yeah. Yeah, what's the follow-up? Our, um, our, um, <laughs> your dream studio. <laughs> yeah, our studio ended up getting bowled down by the mm. Wellington City Council and turned mm. into a hockey stadium. Mm. So that's the, the Wellington Car Club. I mean, we can't really complain. We had it for 10 years. It was 100 bucks a week. It was the size of a school hall. Mm. Had a field next to it. Yeah, you had a good run with it. We had a pretty good run. But uh, as we sort of knew... It was going to change things. Uh, I mean, fuck, even just for storage, I've just yeah, got yeah. this like pile of music gear next to my bed at the moment, which makes, yeah, makes, you know, it's kind of like, that's not very homely. Uh, uh, but luckily we have, um, Conrad's got a shed out the back of his house. So it's kind of funny. And, oh, and Sam's dad's house has two flats under it and one of those flats they keep for long-term guests and one of them is now a sam studio yeah so i don't have a studio of my own but i've been sort of doing a few random yeah. nights so it's it's kind of back to some old school i was gonna say it's sort of back to when you guys were working towards that first ep or whatever probably yeah it totally is yeah just like oh you're gonna come around tonight yeah. you know oh i don't really want to go out and drink so yeah. how about we make music instead so how does this band um kind of uh, solidify itself in the early days. So you 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 meet up at school. Yep. Most of you. We did rock quest. You do that sort of stuff. Yeah. Which is actually you know pretty awesome. I reckon. But you're not the Phoenix Foundation. No, no. Doing we, rock quest. <coughs> no, we were called Komos, <laughs> um, which is the Greek festival of fertility, where a giant phallus is taken through the town. Yep. Um, and that and Komos is sort of inspired by a helmet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In um, Sepultura. And probably a bit of Slayer. Yeah. 
Um, and poor old Sam never really liked metal, like ever really. He was yeah. just always into um, the Pixies, really. Um, but we made him yell and, and, and stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess we just sort of knew. We we put on a, a couple of gigs at Thistle Hall and they they went off. Mm. Um, and we just sort of knew that we were going to carry on. Because really. you don't... I mean, it's been a long, long time since I heard that very first... EP, but oh, China, China Cove. Cove, shit. But I, my memory of it is that you kind of arrive fully formed in a way. Like you, you know, you don't depart from that early sound across those first couple of records. It it evolves, but you know, sometimes people put out a record, especially back then. Sometimes people would put out a, a record or a single or something under a name, and then keep the same name and just sound completely different. Like d- ditch their you know, faux metal leanings or whatever yeah. it was. You guys, you guys have these, the sort of hallmarks of your sound are there. When did when did China Cove come out? Like two thousand ninety nine. Ninety nine. So I, I can't remember if I told you this before. I feel like I did tell you it last time we we recorded, but um, maybe maybe I didn't tell you the full story. But you you and Sam sent me a copy of that with a handwritten letter. Oh yeah. And so you guys yeah, yeah, are, you guys are yeah. early in your career i'm very very early in my career as a as a as a reviewer i don't know how you would have why you would have sent it to me i don't know if i was right even writing for the newspaper at that point but i must have done a few things around town like capital times and stuff but um to, to my kind of shame i i got your letter and your cd and i looked at it and i kind of went because there was that dance club the phoenix and I, Do you know how many people... Really? Like, pe- people thought... Because I don't know if I've told you this And also because it had the word foundation. Pe- people just decided we were like a rootsy thing. Well, I don't know if I'd... Because of the roots exactly. foundation. Exactly. And, really and, and all of that stuff was bubbling up, right? Like yeah. your your EP comes out right sort of when loops at its early peak. Mm. Um, and the whole welly dub thing that, you know, that people could talk got. about that. Too. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I, I don't know if I told you this part, but I, I just sort of chucked the CD aside and went oh god that's obviously some horrible like trance music because I just uh, so I did go and listen to it but for the first I don't know month or so I was just like what's this garbage like without even hearing it and yeah. I kind of could have been like one of the earliest adopters out but I I, I wasn't I'm not sorry about that because I've written enough stuff about you guys so um, you know fuck it good and bad but um, shit you know I hardly remember like I don't don't, no what 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 do I remember I remember that we stuck we got the covers and we had to you know glue them together ourselves yeah I know that Conrad and Sam drew um, doodles I can't even remember inside Inside where the CD goes, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we we sell them up, yeah, so yeah. if there's anyone out there actually has a copy, have a yeah. look in there because there was, like, they just they yeah, drew we, like three hundred individual little pictures inside the cover of China Cove. In the context of the band, it would be a wee bit of a collector's kind of piece. That yeah, um, I don't think I've got a copy. That's no what I was idea. thinking. Yeah, yeah, because you would have just. I haven't even heard it in a long time. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I have a memory of it, as I say, being. Eventually, I got to listening to it. I don't know how long it took, but I was. I think. I think it took someone visiting the f- my flat and seeing it to sort of say, you know, maybe they'd seen an early oh, gig yeah. or something. Oh, oh cool! You guys have you've got that, and and I was like, oh, I thought it was like 
hokey fucking trance music that I wouldn't be into. Um, I can tell you that at that time we were a five piece. We had Noel Fear, his name is actually Noel yeah, Fear yeah. on drums, and yeah. Tui and Tui Langford, who uh, that was like a line. That was the last lineup from high school, and we were actually. Oh God, um, see, I didn't even know that. Yeah, we right. were actually sounded heaps different to what the EP sounded like and I actually feel a little bit bummed out that we don't have a good representation of what the oh, band that. sounded like yeah. because we actually sounded so you you talked about the sound the thing was I guess that from an early age of well from the time that we got together Conrad and Sam and I were just we were really into music so we would we were quite excited you know we were fully 100% excited about albums and bands mm. and always excited by the um <clears throat> you know the history of music not just like mm. not just um you're a record sound you were record nerds yeah we were yeah. record nerds from the kind of get-go and i guess by the time we were like 18 or whatever i had this job at eva dixon's and there's a couple of people there Stu brown and johnny coford who were really into music and they sort of started feeding me kind of pavement CDs and stereo yeah, lab yeah. stereo lab spiritualized etc um, which were all really influential and um, strangely enough it was actually ride who none of us really listened to <laughs> I think Sam had an album of theirs a really not a good album at all like I listened yeah. to it recently I was like whoa Jesus Called Carnival of Light. Oh, yeah, but he lent that. it to, to Con. I had a friend who was really into that and I couldn't see the point. No, I don't quite hugely see the point of it. It was okay, but I couldn't see what, you know. But yeah. you could kind of, I mean, if you're like a 17 year old who's kind of really into metal but is quite open minded, I guess you can see how sort of some loud, trippy guitars sounds cool. Mm. Um, and so Conrad rung Sam up and said, let's make a psychedelic guitar band. So actually, at that time, Phoenix Foundation we actually were quite big sounding mm. it was loud guitars and sometimes it was heavy but it certainly wasn't metal but even then we weren't necessarily well, you still have that sound. though you still have that though like I remember seeing the show I think it was the maybe Fandango had just come out or maybe maybe it was even just before that and at the San Fran one night and it got quite dare I say almost kind of metal in the middle and you know that like the like that real deep dark psychedelic thing yeah well that's always a part of you it's always there so mm. will you will you guys have these just kind of disparate sort of uh, you know a lot of shared things but these disparate sort of things that all come together too like Conrad's sort of you know the synth thing and like Mike Oldfield and Jean-Michel the sort of pro, almost proggy sort of things and then Dare I say, kind of naff some a, of that stuff, he's in and a, I can um, say that because I quite because I grew up with that stuff too. Yeah, yeah, you know, I like it. But Mike Oldfield, yeah, 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 yeah. running away. <laughs> uh, I love I love naff bad taste shit. I think it's I think it's I get um get tired sometimes of people like of the idea of kind of being really strict about only having really high quality taste or something. I think that sometimes it lacks a bit of fun. Well, you, you know? Well, you came in here and, uh, half an hour ago and I was playing that Ghetto Barbieri record and you're like, oh, I don't think you'd be playing this. Like, you, yeah. should, you should be playing some critic's favourite, like yeah, The Fall like or the something. Fall. Well, the, you know, I listen to lots of cheese and lots of and I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know if that's fun. that cheesy. It's uh, you know, yeah, exactly. It's pretty. I reckon it's it's pretty cheesy. Like that full on sort of sexy sex <laughs> stuff is, is is pretty cheesy. But God, it's got a place in my heart. Yeah. Um, as does 
Running away <laughs> the moonlight shadow, shadow. Good song. Yeah, really good. Good, good, good guitar solo in that. Um, yeah, so you've got all these things. Sam's obviously Pixies, Beatles, all that kind of... Uh, Songy, wordy guy. Yeah, and a bit of Flying Nun stuff happening and you know those sort of maybe second wave of flying nun perhaps more than first wave and all of those sort of things come together so all of that's in that early sound you of yours me, you know ELO 10cc yeah, Phil yeah. Collins Mark Knopfler yeah <laughs> all that really hip shit yeah yeah because the Dire Straits thing is there in the second album oh, yep. Damn the River is yep. you know is, is Dire Straits if they were formed in Dunedin or whatever yeah not Matt Bollinger might have said that I might copied him and said something similar, you know, like yeah. oh, there'd be other people that have said that too. That's all that's all. My there. parents listen to a lot of dire straits in Poland. Yeah. So that's probably and that's probably just deep in into in the DNA. Yeah. Oh he's a, he is actually I find him to be an ex- exceptionally wonderful guitarist. Pretty dodgy songwriter in my opinion. Noffler. Generally, yeah. I mean I think he's got better as a songwriter across the last few solo albums but oh, prob- right. probably a lot of people don't care you know apart right. from his you know, I haven't listened his... to any of his solo work oh, well, apart from um, the soundtracks apart from uh, Princess Bride yeah 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 the sound the Nofla soundtracks were pretty big for me like right. growing up I, you know I was into them I guess oh, on the like back of Dire Straits yeah stuff. yeah yeah but I, I, I was into them before I'd seen any of the films right um, Last Exit to Brooklyn soundtrack right um, Cal Local Hero yeah Princess Bride I, I is Cal Local Hero no that's is it the same thing or no that's two, two different oh, right, movies okay. shit I'm going to check that out they're quite good movies Spotify they're, that. they're good movies too and, and good um, good soundtracks the Cal one is, is real um, Irish it's an Irish film but it's yeah. you know so it's Lots of uh, London. Yeah. Oh, actually, he's, he's from Liverpool originally, isn't he? I think. Uh, Newcastle, I think. Oh, right. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he, he's done some interesting stuff too, like as a producer and a player on, you know, oh, there's yeah, a, he's he a guy. Who, camera. I just, yeah, just got that yeah. from the f- and, and, for book. And, um, and Bob Dylan, you know, Infidels and Slow Train. And uh, who, who else did. Oh, he played on Scott Walker. Uh, one, um, Climate of Hunter played on that right so there's some interesting th- you know things that people would say oh that guy's not cool at all he's actually it's quite interesting the stuff that he's done outside of and he's managed to get away with ripping off Richard Thompson for years and you know <laughs> it, 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 he gets called out for it but avoids it somehow Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard any Richard Thompson guitar playing that I've found as awesome as... I think Knopfler, maybe he's not like... Maybe he is, because apparently he's very Chet Atkins too. Mm. I've never mm. really listened to, to Chet Atkins, but I think he's he's got a touch. He's got a oh, touch sure. and a tone. I reckon the um, yeah, Tunnel of Love on the on the third Die Straits mm-hmm. album, mm. that solo uh, for me was... I mean, it's just, you know, it's just like clean, strat, mm. tone... He doesn't. He doesn't change the world or anything, but it's kind of perfect. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's, it's actually just perfect. perfect. Yeah, yeah. A melodic, beautiful tone guitar playing. And that, I, I mean, that song is a great example. But this of is like, some deep nerdery. I know, yeah. but that song's a great example of like, that's a little movie, you know, like this little short film yeah. as a song. And Have you seen the video? 
Yeah, I have. Because yeah, it's yeah. great. It's weird. Because I bought a copy of... I actually bought a brand new copy of Making Movies just recently. I've, I've got an There's old... There's some damn good songs I've in it. I've got an and old, you know, pretty shitty battered vinyl, and I and I kind of went, oh, I have to get that again. And so I've just... I've been listening to it a bit lately. Um, and so it's, it's kind of where I stop with them now. Like, those first three records, I think, are great. And after that... Private Investigations is really good. I think all the... Yeah. I think, I think the sort of... Yeah, the know, first each, four at a pinch, but the first... Each album's got a couple of good... Yeah. Good numbers. Because I'd say Private Investigation is one of their... Mm-hmm. What is it? Is it their stairway, or is it... Yeah, probably. Did you... Did you... Did you ever... Have you ever seen him play live? Did you go to any... any yeah, we shows? went to the... Um, unfortunately, the live on... Ev- oh, what's it called? On Every Street? Yeah, yeah. Up in Auckland? At, um, or? No, at... If, Athletic Park. Oh, right, yeah. And there was like, it wasn't even half full, it was yeah. all kind of a bit lame, but... I went to that same tour, but up in Auckland, yeah. Right. I wasn't living here then, but yeah. I, I, I mean, I loved that show, I thought it was pretty great. Are pretty you older than, you might be a little I, bit older um, than me, maybe. I'm I can't really remember it, eh? I think I'm about three years older than you. Right. Yeah. So, alright, so what happens with Phoenix Foundation that, that gets um, you guys really going? Like, because I'm trying to remember the, the first album... Is okay. Is is I'm working in music retail by that point, so I'm 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 aware of the first album when it comes out because it gets put across the counter. But was it really a big thing straight away? Oh, I feel like I mean a big thing. I like well, you know what I mean. No, I like your um, very liberal use of language there. Yeah, Uh, this is how it went down. Actually, I'm gonna totally take. More credit than is my my due here. I actually put out an EP, The Seasides, mm-hmm. and also oh, that came out before. Yeah, Brent, yeah right. Brent and Jason, who worked at what the hell was that CD shop called? The record shop that was on, um, what the hell are those Plymouth Steps? Oh, yeah, really yeah, good. Smoke, smoke was it called? It was smoke? called Allen's and Allen's. Yeah, and then yeah. it was called Smoke, and they decide and they had a financial backer who was Lloyd Morrison, uh-huh. and he and they decided they wanted to do a local little boutique label record company. label, Capital Recordings. That's right. They heard the Seasides, they really liked it. They sort of heard of the Phoenix Foundation, and we put mm-hmm. a couple of the songs of Seasides on a compilation, which I think was called oh, Capital Something, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, on Capital Recordings, it was their first like, it was their mm. first kind of um, release. It was mm. a compilation, and we put it up, put them on there as Phoenix Foundation. One of the songs was called Blue Summer, and that's yeah, I was gonna say, kind that's of your how song, they. But that's that's kind of it was totally called Phoenix Foundation to the band yeah. on there. Yeah, and that and then so then they said that they could put out an album, and maybe they like lent us. Oh, actually, our manager at the time, Richard Gordon, lent us two thousand dollars to. Um, record the album at the surgery mm. so that's what we did we recorded the album got put out on capital recordings i just remember like we got an excellent review from nick bollinger and the listener so that felt re- really good mm. like he because he had never heard of us before mm-hmm. anything. i mean he was quite quite taken with it at the time as you have mentioned before at the time we were an anomaly mm. i mean we kind of have always i feel like in a funny way, we've always been slightly outsiders because <clears throat> in Wellington, mm. like the other people on the Capitol recordings were like some of Barnaby Weir's solo stuff, That's some right. of Toby Lang's solo stuff, yeah. like some other permutations of kind of Fat Freddy's and Yeah, Black it was Seeds getting guys. towards kind of dancey stuff. If it was like, like dancey, yeah, yeah, yeah. dubby stuff yeah. and us and always 
in Wellington at the time, that was what, what was big, it was like. Mm. Dallas was playing mm -hmm. around. Um, Trinity Roots fact, Yeah, Trinity Roots were massive. huge, the Black Seeds, but, yeah. it was all like, you know, organic, rootsy dub, the yeah. welly sound, and we were never part of that. No. And we were never part of any Auckland yeah. scene either, and in Auckland, sometimes they'd be a bit patronising about us as being from Wellington because of the yeah. organic, rootsy sound. Yeah. And on top of that, we were like, Horsepower is quite a mellow guitar album and people weren't necessarily like the only, it was like, the, I think it was close to the time of the Strokes. So it was like, mm -hmm. if you were a guitar band, you're supposed to play like, slightly, you know, yeah. rock and roll yeah, revival. Yeah, and here we are playing this kind of pansy-ish, kind of languid, stoner, mm. trippy, mellow sounds. Um, so yeah, it was kind of weird. But then in some circles, maybe that made us, like, for example, Bollinger was obviously an early uh, fan. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's sold a few thousand copies. I think it may, might even be got. I think most of our albums up until Buffalo, where after Buffalo, no one buys albums anymore, are actually gold in New Zealand, which mm. was seven and a half thousand copies. I don't think Horsepower was initially, but slowly but surely it kind of sold. Maybe it's the only one that hasn't, but, you know, it's it's sold a bit. We we did a tour. People came to the gigs. I don't think we were, like, particularly great live band at the time, but, you know, we were just kind of finding... I feel like, like everything clicks into place with the second album. I remember... Yeah, but, you to, know, like... But, but, but it's always me, the first one, yeah. always... But it set it up yeah, to yeah, be yeah, that yeah. way. Oh, no, I mean, I remember liking that first album at the time, but I think... Um, what's the second album? Pegasus. When, yeah. that, when that comes out... Uh, you guys play a People gig. love that. You play, yeah, and you guys played a gig at um, uh, Happy, or the. Yeah, know, yeah, was, we did like two nights at Happy, I think. Well, I think you did. Uh, I, they I, like I think it was like, I was going to say, I think it was like a little industry showcase invite yeah. type thing. Um, and I remember going to that, and yeah, that's sort of. And I had seen you play before, but that's, that's just where it kind of clicked for me. Yeah. Like, I felt like. I guess because there's Pegasus is a I feel like is a major step up from horsepower in terms of um, you know proficiency well, whether that's that and is everything few, that people love or not it's another matter but it certainly sounds better it's, it's, a, bit, it's, a, bit, it's a bit more urgent in places and then you've got things like too I suppose the you know um, the video for the Hitchcock. Hitchcock was a big thing in itself wasn't it that, yeah. that music video and at a time when um Music videos were um, still fucking meant something. Well, not yeah. just that, but they were just starting to kind of mean something on live as well, like yeah. the whole sort of sharing about of things. So that 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 kind of had attraction. Yeah, yeah. Well, that yeah made a bit of a kind of a mistake with that. I don't actually know whether we ever. I, I don't actually know what account that video is on or anything. It's been like put yeah. on, taken off, put on, taken off, and I feel like it's doesn't actually have that many views, it doesn't actually reflect right. its kind <laughs> it's, of popularity yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well at that point we'd moved to another record company, which was, at the time, it, it was Festival Mushroom Records, and there's a guy working there who sort of courted us, I guess, Ashley Page. Mm -hmm. Do you know Ashley I, Page? I, I, I did. So yeah, well, he I signed us, Ashley. and he signed the Mint Chicks, mm. and then now he... He's obviously pretty, he's got a lot of nous in my opinion because mm -hmm. now he's the manager of Broods and Joel Little. Mm -hmm. um, so he's a pretty clever guy. Mm -hmm. um, 
and yeah, I think signing us and the and the Minchicks to FMR, um, I mean that's two bands that have sort of carried on going and mm. putting out stuff that's you know pretty good. Well, they have uh, yeah, a, both bands have, a, have legacy. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm glad that you said that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Let's not for you to Looking say. for some ways to say, you know, we've done, you know, we've sort of carried on, we've put out a lot of stuff. Um, you know, and those guys, obviously, um, I'm a, I, I think they, they both make um, some of my favourite music mm. of the last uh, many years. Um, yeah, so it's kind of like we had this, like, record company that was doing really, I, I thought was real clever at the time. We put out the album... That's probably the closest we've ever had to f- having any sort of industry hype. Like, I remember, mm. um, um, this is going to be h- hilarious if she hears this, but I remember the Pegasus album release gig in Auckland. There was actually a, a hypey vibe at the first gig. Mm. And I think we were pretty shit because we got too too drunk, but I remember someone going like, oh, they rung us here. And I was like, whoa, you know, like, whoa, really? That was pretty fucking famous at that time. Yeah, yeah. She was, and it was like, wow, okay, so there's yeah, actually yeah. a bit of a buzz. And we got really drunk, and I think we were a bit shit on that first night. It was so much better the Playing second was, night. Yeah, yeah. yeah, The second night was so much better, and that's kind of just the way it, the way it went. Well, you guys have done that a bit. Ah, uh, not anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It happened a few times in the mm. past. Mm. Well, there was one famously drunk gig, anyway. Where was that? There was like a low hum gig that, that oh, Blink really? put on right. where Warner and I shared a bottle of Uzo with the Aussie <laughs> band we were playing with, but yeah. none of them drank any. Yeah, yeah. So we drank like half a bottle of spirits each. I don't anyway, just let's not get into that. I don't just mean drunk, but like I, what I've found fascinating. I think we've sabotaged you. ourselves sometimes. <laughs> yeah, what I found fascinating with you guys and I. I I think it's great, and that's a reason to always usually go and see you play, is that there is, like, a variance. Like, it isn't the same show twice. And I've had that experience where um, I've been and seen you two nights in a row, and one night's been pretty bad, and one night's been amazing, you know, and that's and, and that's kind of interesting to I see in it, a band. I think um, I understand that that's an interesting vibe, but I'm pretty glad to say that that's... In the past. Generally been eradicated now. Yeah, yeah. I think oh yeah, current, I'm talking ten years yeah, ago. Yeah, I think yeah, the yeah, current yeah. lineup. We, yes. you know, we play a show that none of us are particularly happy with, but no one else really notices. Yes, you know, yeah, yeah, it's, totally. We're so well, pro now. I really enjoyed pro anyway. Really enjoyed um, Richie's playing on a lot of your stuff, but you're never going to be let down ever. And I'm, I'm not saying he let you down, but you're never, ever going to be let down by Chris O'Connor, are you, for example? Like, he's, you know, he, and exactly, he might be cross with his own performance at the end of a gig, but no one watching is going to think that he messed up at all. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty... Um, I mean, both him and Tom, I feel, I'm pretty yeah. lucky. You know, it's a pretty safe... Yeah, yeah, you're in safe You just hands. feel really... You've got You this. just feel really good. You just kind of feel like... You've got all the basics down, like the groove is always going to be great, the time is always going to be um, great, Yeah. nothing's going to feel rushed or, or, or laggy, or, you yeah. know, or if it does you just give them a wink and it's like, yeah. oh right, whoops. But you also got like, I remember when James Milne, we went on tour in the UK and he was like, it's great with Chris, he kind of like does a little something different every night. Yeah. And the thing is um, about that, I guess that those guys, because they both come from the improvisational world, um, improvisational, because uh, actually Wellington's got a flippin' strong improv for sure. scene. Yeah. Like some of these 
people. Um, Jeff Henderson. Yeah, sort Jeff, of the, Jeff, the, Jeff Henderson, who now lives in Auckland, but he's... But he's sort of the guy who created it down here, really. Yeah, and oh, then, I think Anthony Donaldson would be cross with you if he heard you say that. That's all right, I'm going to talk to him <laughs> on the podcast so he um, can tell me. Oh, I feel like Jeff... Jeff can't, well, shit didn't create it, but Jeff... Was the Jeff main, is a huge. He's a huge the main um, enabling in, in, terms, nurturer, in yeah. terms of creating the space. And stuff oh, dude, like I saw him. Yeah, uh, I saw him I in meant. Auckland a while ago, and he had invited Parks, mm. you know, who produces mm. Lady Six's stuff, to come to do some improv with him. And Parks said, "Oh, Jeff, Jeff's just kind of started calling me up and inviting mm. me to these things. I've got this crazy synth, and I thought that's so great of Jeff, because Parks said oh, I've never really been involved in anything like this before. But mm. Jeff, and I just thought." That's those people like Jeff are obviously they're so important yeah. because he's just seen this person. He's gone, oh, that person does this kind of music, but I can see that they're really yeah, excellent, yeah. interested musicians. So yeah. I'm going to invite him to come and play some freaky improv music. Outside it was a four-hour set. Yeah. So wow. Jeff played for four hours with a with a with people kind of tagged in and out. Yeah. yeah. So for the first hour, he had Parks on a like a crazy modular sim that was just doing crazy. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, yeah. So Chris and Tom come from that. Yes. So they, and they have the facility on their instruments to be able to fuck around, yeah. but then come back when you need to. Yeah. Which is good because some of the rest of it, you know, some we've got this one song in seven, and basically, if Chris doesn't just tell me where exactly yeah. where the beats are, I get a bit, I can get lost. Yeah. Because it's like it's kind of like this repeating. It's like a repeating minimal cycle that you can because it's because it's kind of repetitive. I'm not. I don't have that deep. So who's writing songs in seven? Is that that? Was heavy, actually is that, that heavy sting influence? Like those '90s <laughs> sting albums. It doesn't sound very sting. <laughs> It's a song called Jason from Give Up Your Dreams, so listen to that one, yeah. and hopefully you won't think it sounds like Sting. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so sorry. So my point is, it's cool playing with them because they keep things feeling alive. Yeah. You know, okay, sure, we'll have our gigs, or it feels like if we, like you know, kind of playing, just kind of doing the songs, but not that often. And generally, there will just be those little moments that make you feel. Like you're in the moment and pl- like playing the song as opposed to reciting it, it's, and that's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting that I mean, uh, I'll, I'll talk to him about it, I guess, one day. But Chris O'Connor sort of come from this, not just improv, but sh- also a very um, strong straight jazz player, you know, like yep. and and really come from a jazz and exploratory and improvisational sort of background to being really the 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 one of the sort of top on call pop rock drummers now. I mean, he doesn't just play with you guys. He plays regularly with SJD, with Don McGlashan. Went out, went out and did the Mockers tour. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's, yeah, he played with um, Cornerstone Roots yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. he's a, he's kind yeah. of a freak. Yeah, yeah, actually. totally. But it's interesting that um, you know, it's cl- clearly he has. I know he'll still turn up and do improv gigs and stuff. So it's not like he's turned his back on that. And, no, no, he and says it, it's the most important music in his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's where he gets to fully be creative as a drummer, I guess, too. Because, but it's amazing how he's all of that time doing that stuff has um, now he can sort of sit down and play a straight pop rock song, but make the groove exciting. 
interesting bring all of those little elements to it without yeah falling too heavily into the improv thing yeah yeah he's, like it never it's just yeah. it's just interesting to me how he's how he's evolved into yeah essentially like an encore pop rock drummer which which you would have never thought from like 10, mu- mu- much like as you say you would, have, you would have never thought listening to what Parks does that he would go and do a set with be Jeff doing Anderson. some, some yeah, sets yeah, yeah, with yeah. Jeff yeah but why not yeah, yeah, yeah which yeah. is oh well I mean I'm sorry I was saying credit to Jeff but also credit to Parks yeah. going, oh yeah okay yeah um, uh, yeah I remember seeing Chris around town and often you know I'd have my headphones on and I'd be like ear kind of playing guitar or whatever or kind of mouthing and then I'd like see him across the road I didn't really know him that well yeah. and I'd see him with headphones on and he'd be like ear yeah, drumming and I'd yeah. be like ha 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 yep you too eh <laughs> and then I, I think I talked to him like years ago as well before I knew him and he was doing some kind of rhythm and I think I asked him what he was doing and he was memorizing the inverted beats to the um like uh, what are they called? They're like claves, so mm-hmm. you know that. Mm-hmm. And he was going, oh, I'm just memorizing all of the yeah, yeah, like the... opposite yeah, yeah, yeah. rhythms. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. He's um, a freak. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, uh, yeah, yeah. I think though, like um, with with Chris, I'm going to say a personal thing here. Chris loses everything all the time, like his wallet, his keys, his glasses. Right. I think he lost about five pairs of glasses on tour one time. I'm 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 exaggerating, and I've decided that the way to explain it is that he's using up so much of his yes. brain with music that he just there are other things yeah. that he's had to give up like he, when I he oh, won't lose the, he won't lose the tempo but yeah that's right but he'll, <laughs> he'll lose his lose fucking glasses place again <laughs> yeah anyway. so so okay so we'll, we'll go back to the timeline a little bit so Pegasus drops then drops. you get drops. Oh, yeah. You get flipping drops. I'll get lost. I've never dropped an album, you know. Yeah, that? yeah, yeah. All right. So Pegasus finds its way into the world, is released. Yes, there has you go. the band's That's nice. has the band's blessing and is sent off to become for anyone else and not you guys. How, how are you <laughs> going to fucking say it? So it becomes available, um, yep. and you guys do the tour and all of that sort of stuff and get reviews when those things matter and all of that kind of stuff. And so you you, you move up a, b- a bit in the world. Yeah. Uh, and and then what happens? Uh, then FMR gets sold. Yeah. To Warner's. Yeah. And we have a two album deal. Yeah. And this is a bit of an annoying kind of a thing for me. Excuse me. Because then we make ha- happy ending. Which That's right. As most of the people in, as most of our sort of least favourite album, um, but it's got some. It's got some good tracks it's on got it. Got some really I good would, tracks on I it. I would say it's probably my l- not least favourite. It's not quite the word, but it's probably the one I go to least. You know. Yeah. So in that sense, it is. But yeah, it's got some good songs on it. There's too much on it. Yeah. And I don't think we edit self. I don't think we edited enough. Like it's 55 minutes yeah, long. Yeah, or it's too long. Which is like, yeah. Um. But, but it also has 40 years for a start as what been in the set pretty much ever since kind of for, thing, you know, 40 years is the closest yeah. that we ever get to feeling like what Jordan Luck must feel yeah. up yeah. on stage there yeah, yeah. don't um, you've written an anthem <laughs> well they you see how people sing along they go they go crazy it kind of doesn't matter we just kind of we don't even really need to practice it you know yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's pretty simple actually yeah uh, and yeah and Bright Grey which had um, yep. both of those songs had I thought like absolute ripping videos by mm. Taika and Bright Grey has 
I reckon a pretty big chorus. Um, again, maybe, you know, maybe like the middle section's a bit contrary, but Warner's... They kind of, I think they didn't really know what to do with us. Yes, that outsider outlier they, like, thing really, you're talking about, right? Yeah, like, they kind of really did. You don't fit. You don't fit what they, where they want to place you. Well, that's the closest I've ever. Oh, that's so. The guy who was the head of Warner's at the time. Can't, I can't remember his name, but he has a bit of a like a cowboy dude. And by cowboy, I don't mean like a cowboy builder. Southgate. I mean, like, was that? Was it James Southgate? I actually really don't remember. But he came down on like a Harley from Auckland to meet us. Mm. And we had, I remember we had a meeting at the Lido. What, we said something about how, you know, we're just like, sometimes people make fun of us because we wear cardigans and stuff, but actually we're not particularly interested in trying to manufacture an, an image. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he goes, but you know, having said that, you know, maybe you'd think about, you know, putting on these clothes for a, for, you know, for a photo shoot. And then he was like, all you need to do, you know, to get that successful album is you just need to get one single, you know, and then the rest of the songs on the album can be your, you yeah. know, your kind of songs. And we just felt like at the end of that meeting, like we had actually met the industry devil the that devil. people yeah, had yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, talked yeah, about. We'd yeah, never yeah, yeah. experienced it before. That Funnily part. enough, <laughs> when I look back on it now, I go, man, maybe we should have bought should've some tight jeans yeah, yeah, yeah. and thought a bit harder about, <laughs> dressed, about like, dressed like the strokes and played like the strokes for one Because... <laughs> Because you know what? Unfortunately, it actually makes an impact. Mm -hmm. Fucking lame as it is. Mm -hmm. It's like... It's like lying in an election. Yeah. will halt the momentum of the yeah. <laughs> opposition party and no one cares whether yeah. you're lying or not. Yeah. So putting on some tight jeans yeah. and some... You know, actually like thinking about that may have done us better. But mm -hmm. in any case... Um, we didn't. Well, I like, kind of say that slightly cynically yes. as you... Well, it's you know. like when my dad visited the other week and we watched a um, DVD that was horrible that I'd been sent to review and he goes, but you don't write about these ones, do you? You don't say anything about them because otherwise you don't get sent anymore. And it's like, <laughs> well, I could have... You know, yeah, maybe I could have exercised a bit more of that approach and judgment over the years, but that felt wrong to me, like, to do that. Yeah. Just as it felt wrong to you to... Um, Put on the put on the outfit that the record company's suggesting and rewrite someone else's song. Yeah. For a single. So. But having said that, Bright Grey had a really big chorus, mm. and what happened is they released the album the same week that Scribe's second uh -huh. album yeah, got yeah, released. Yeah. Like Happy Ending, and which same was label? Yeah, 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 same same label. So Happy Ending. See, I got a bit. I got. I'm a mild. This is like one of my annoying. The yeah. things that I think about and I go, oh, for fuck's sake. Um, and there's probably people who worked on that at the label who will feel like they worked, you know, really hard on it and stuff. And I'm sorry to you guys, but um, I don't think anyone really from the label came to the gig, for mm -hmm. one thing. Like, yeah. that's a, quite a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't come to the album release gig, you know, it's like your record label in New Zealand. It's not, it's not like the, you've got 100,000 bands. To be, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the happy ending was the follow-up to Pegasus, which had been nominated for the best album at the New Zealand Music Awards. It had gone gold. Um, I we didn't get rev like we didn't get reviews. Yeah. There weren't review like I don't think there's a review and rip it up, you know. And it's like, yeah. what's a record label supposed to do? Yeah, yeah. There's not that many things. I remember there was no posters around. I remember there was more posters for my second solo album, Vesuvius, mm. which was released on Arch Hill Recordings, a mm. tiny independent label. Mm. There's more posters for that around town than there were for well, Happy Ending. With well, a far less catchy title than Happy Ending. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and some good music on it, of course. Um, but. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. I was like, I felt like that was a pretty, 
I was a bit disappointed by that. Yeah, yeah. Sam was just kind of said to me, but actually those songs did do quite good on the radio, better than anything that we'd done. But I was, I've, I kind of feel like there was, there was just a bit of a feeling that they, I feel like that could have been a moment where, if, for example, maybe if FMI had done it again and there'd been someone who'd had a lot of passion for the band mm. and thought and had a little bit more, sort of knew a little bit more about how to work it, Mm. we could have potentially pushed through a bit at that moment. So what happens? What do you go and do? So you make a solo record. Sam, well, I mean, Sam makes another solo record somewhere around then. Well, no. He'd already no, his second his solo album, album Straight Answer yeah. Machine, was. I, th- I think it was later. Yeah. I think I made a, my two solo albums were made when Sarah was pregnant. Right. So you yeah. know how they sometimes say that men do a bit of like build a shed or something? Yeah, you, you build oh, a couple of albums. Yeah, I, I build a shed. shed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, man. We did some tour, tours. Mm, I remember ha- Happy Ending got a, I think a four-star review in Mojo, and that was a pretty nice moment, and maybe a really good review in The Guardian as well. So that was nice for us. And you've started the film soundtrack stuff too, the association oh, with yeah. Taika. That's that's yeah. already going. Well, that yeah, that kind of happened. That's kind of how is... how it ended up that he yeah. made the videos. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But we didn't actually do that much music no, a lot for of, Eagle versus Shark. No, no, it's just songs and uh, off your record and the band's first couple of records and then there's a few little cues right there's a few yeah there's a few cues and, and a few other songs kind of like Hitchcock became the kind of yeah. unofficial theme thing. almost yeah 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 but that's you know that's interesting because you guys end up you and Sam in particular and I guess Conrad as well now but you and Sam to begin with you end up as a um, a song you're, you're already songwriters but you create this partnership that's sort of separate to the band as music composers which is ongoing yeah well Conrad Conrad's the it's kind of a composition machine yes really so yeah where does that where does that where does that um, where does that get lit from like is it is it just seeing the impact of the Eagle vs Shark soundtrack and going oh we could do a bit more of this oh it's very it's very simple Um, I think again if you're a musician you know find ways to get especially in in New Zealand yeah. you got to have your finger in so many pies to have because yeah. all of your income revenue streams are so pathetic that you yeah. have to have millions of them to make uh, any sort of living and as we've and we've sort of committed to it now so that's we don't necessarily have any other you know skills or opportunities so uh, so basically it was like well we are, seem to be pretty good at this and it's quite enjoyable yeah, it's people yeah. and people are asking us to do it and there's a decent paycheck. Yeah. So it's kind of a no. So it's you kind do, of a no brainer. What do you do? You do Tyker's films, but you also do um, we, Sam's dad makes that film Separation City. Is it? Yeah, and we did a and we did, did a school we, for that. We've done a few like um, those sort of those Sunday Montana theater yeah. style things. We did like Until Proven Innocent, the David Doherty story, mm. um, Bloodlines, which is about that uh, South African doctor in Dunedin who killed his wife using insulin. Mm-hmm. Uh, really lovely stuff. Um, we did one called Rage that actually Sam's dad wrote about the Springwalk tour. Yep. We've just done one called The Black oh, Catching the Black Widow, mm-hmm. uh, which is again about uh, you know it's woman in Christchurch yeah, yeah, yeah. her husband. And uh, we've done um, Eagle versus Shark, Boy. Um, Sam did a little bit of stuff for What We Do in the Shadows, Hunt for the Wilder People, Separation City, uh, Beyond the Known World. Um, we've done two seasons now of a Netflix show called Skylanders and a season of Clever Man. Oh, we did some music for Step Dave. 
Heaps of ads. Yeah. Um, going to be doing the third season of Skylanders at the beginning of next year. Um, could some other things in the pi- in the pipeline? Yeah. And going as hard as we can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 you know you've ripped through a whole bunch of things there, but they've I guess they've all had various impacts outside of just work for you guys and paycheck. But obviously, Wilder people um, is a big one, and that it was a big film for a start, right? So, yeah. but the music is. A really important part of that film I think like a really and you guys get to really like the choral thing at the start and that you really get to kind of flex your muscle a bit and as well as provide elements of what the Phoenix Foundation do this is um you know I've only sort of realized it recently um, for example working on the net, net Netflix show which is um, called Skylanders it's a kids show mm. Uh, they pretty much want you to hit every single emotion and every single cue in the most obvious way possible right, to, yeah, yeah, to bring yeah. it home. There's a joke, you go wah wah wah. There's someone punches someone and it goes boom. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a fight. Boom, 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 it's boom, a formula boom, and boom, you boom, have boom. to hit it. And we're just providing a service. Yeah, yeah. With Taika, um, he has certain ways of getting heaps out of people uh, and heaps by heaps I don't necessarily mean heaps of hours or whatever but by pushing people and the way he kind of does that I feel is by being quite non-committal so you do a whole bunch of work on something and he'll be like hmm and so then you go oh shit okay do a bit more Carrie I think you can you know maybe find something a bit and I think and also he well, you'll, if you watch Hunt, Hunt for the Wilder People, there's very little music is a very literal um, a, a, emotion of what's happening mm-hmm. on, the, on the screen. And it's a, quite a different task to find something that has an emotional sort of, that isn't the emotion that the people on the screen are experiencing, but isn't counter to it so is like sensitive to what's happening but isn't being sort of obvious and uh that's quite cool it's quite cool that that's what he sort of pushes for because mm. so, yeah i mean i think maybe there's like a couple of sad music moments where it just had to be you couldn't mm. be mm. contrary but mostly there's just like an atmosphere or a Anyway, so now I'm f- now I'm rambling. Sorry, I'll stop. No, it's good. But good. yes, it was a big one because reviews mentioned the music. Yeah. I feel like he wanted a cool thing. He let us do a cool thing. When he first sent us the movie, the temp the temp score was all Jean Michel Jarre, and he was like, "I'm really inspired by sort of The Shining because it's got the yeah. since the opening scene of The mm. Shining. So actually, if you watch the opening scene of Hunt for the World of People, thinking about how he was thinking about the shining, mm-hmm. you're just going, oh yeah, it's, okay. I can see that. It's a total homage. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was all. That was all cool. It was mm-hmm. like, man, this movie is cool. The directors asked for it to be like Jean Michel Jarre and The Shining. Like, could it get any more? Yeah, that's, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Nice touch. Um, to... Yeah. So yeah, that was like. And but, that, but that's kind of like, yes, it's both our work and our sound and luck. It's like luck that we met Taika at a time where he was listening to our first album. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Pegasus. Oh no, he was listening to our first album and he really liked it and he wanted to use it in Eagle vs. Shark. We just finished Pegasus and we gave it to him and he was like, man, these two, I'm going to use these two. It's like, it's... It's time and place. Yeah. It's luck. It's luck that he turned out to then make 
such awesome movies and yeah. successful films. Yeah. You know, the thing so, about luck is that you've still got to um, do the thing and turn up, right? So sure, it, it's, it's it's actually more timing than you know, like yeah. we, we we excuse things away as luck. Possibly to be humble or whatever too, I think. But really, it's about timing, and uh, yeah, sure. you have to have done the work. Sure, yeah. And I you, mean, we could, we did it. People liked it. Yeah. So I, when I yeah. say it's luck, you know, yeah, no, no, I, know, I am exactly. being a bit of a dick. No, no, but that's it's you know, and um, so Buffalo is the next Phoenix Foundation album, and that is the, ah the peak. It of is, my career. Yes, let's talk it's been about a that. Long road down from there. Well, I was going to say where you in the, in the recording we had last time where you that you won't let people hear, which is fair enough. We had quite a big chat about Buffalo and um, Glastonbury and Jules Holland and stuff, and I would like to revisit some of that because okay. the numbers grown a little bit now with the likes of Aldous Harding and Lord and Marlon Williams and stuff. But and you know Neil Finn's done it a couple of times, um, but. You're still one of a very finite number of New Zealand... Nadia Reid's about to go on, yeah, too. Yeah, cool. Awesome. And I could imagine Tammy Nielsen getting there. Yeah. Hopefully. And, you know, and, and exactly a few others. But you're one of... It's still a very finite number of Kiwi artists that have perf- performed on this incredible taste-making show, Jules Holland. Whatever people think of it, it's important right. and influential. So, Shit, man. So we there need, was a moment... We need to get to that. Did I, did I tell you the... Last time, the moment that when Sam, when we were there, yeah, and Sam, Sam said, you know, let's just, you know, remember that if whatever else happens, like, yes, if this is it, you know, we got on Jules Holland, and that that's pretty cool that we, and I remember having this like horrible little because I'm such a fucking Polish, I was like, oh my god, I hope those aren't prophetic words. Yeah, that's it. This is the beginning. Um, of the end. <laughs> And it, feels, and it feels like they were prophetic words. You're on the like, same show that. as you're on the same show as Coldplay. Yeah, so it was. Can't like, remember who else, but I did watch. It, it was us, Coldplay, yeah. the Water Boys. Yes. Ryan Adams. So it was actually like yeah, a heavyweight. No. Yeah, yeah. And this like uh, some this French chick. I think her name was Camille. Oh yes. And one of her. She was on a. Um, Sheepskin lying down with yeah. the camera pointing down at her, and the song is all about how wet yeah. she was in a French accent. That was yeah. quite yeah. racy, yeah. quite French. Yeah. Uh, and this, uh, this kind of like some doctor or professor, something rather, which was like a kind of a seemed like a made up record company band from London that were doing like an urban sort of style that was like kind of soul, kind of hip hop. There was like 12 of them or whatever, and it was they were pretty bad I thought anyway <laughs> so we were the only band who packed in our own gear put it that way yeah yeah okay so how, So what year is this 2011 yeah and so you've so made, Buffalo came out in New Zealand in 2010 yeah, yeah got the worst reviews in New Zealand of any of our really? albums two star reviews who's just do, boring doing that like, like everyone Bailey apart and, from yeah. you and Nick, Nick yeah. Bollinger yeah. which I believe is because then it got like excellent reviews in, in England, UK. Mojo, yeah. Uncut, The Guardian. Star reviews and, and to yeah. me, what that says is uh, what I thought it was, a, or what I thought it was an example of, is that in New Zealand we were saturation that, point. We were at that cycle of our life mm. that we had the critics had really liked us. Yeah, and so it was time time to to have out. to not like something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, Maybe without even going to the effort of listening to it properly. Yeah, it's it was like, like, oh, there's a bit of sort of filler on this. Yeah. And actually... They're probably repeating themselves. And actually, <laughs> there is a bit of filler on it. As I, you know, yeah. it takes me a few years to sort of have that kind of clarity with something that I've done. But definitely there's songs on every one of our albums that I just go, man, I just think this would have been a better album without that. But, you know, anyway... So we put it out in New Zealand, did a tour. At the time, Matt McLeod, our, our, our manager, moved to London. He got us a, a deal with a record label called Memphis Industries. They put the album out. Buffalo got onto A-Rotate on BBC Six. At the time, I didn't even realise that mm. that's, like, excellent. We went on this tour in February. We were on all these shows, like, uh, you know, all the all the sessions, all the interviews. I didn't even realise at the time that it was just, like, going fantastically yeah yeah you know we went back for another tour we went back for another tour we did Glastonbury um at Glastonbury I mean this like crazy time in Glastonbury because it's basically like a cesspool of shit mm. it just smells like 175,000 people's worth of portaloos in this crazy muddy valley Sam and I's tent was like 10 metres away from the rave tent, so all night it was like Glastonbury rave, 3,000 people, you know, pilling off their brains with the loudest rave. That's where we were fucking sleeping. Uh, the Portaloos had shit coming out, actually, of the top of them. There's like bloody pads stuck into the corners of the Portaloos. The main thing I remember from Glastonbury was these giant tractors with sewage tanks in the back just sucking out the shit from the Portaloos like all day long. Um, and we were playing at like 1 p.m. And at 12pm we went into the tent where we were playing and there's no one there, no bands playing. And I was like, man, I can't believe we've spent the night here. We've dealt with all of this heinous, heinous shit, shit to, play not, to, no to one. play to no one. We played to a packed tent. The guy who produces um, Jules Holland came to see us. Why did he come to see us? Once again, luck. Yeah. Because he is like old childhood best friends with Susie O'Brien. Yeah, yeah, right. Who is one of the you know O'Briens who own... Slogo, and yeah. she said to him, you got to go and see this band. One of the people who was at the time working as one of his assistants on the show yeah. was a New Zealander, was a mate of ours, who said, you got to come see this band. And he was like, finally, he was like, oh, God, okay. Because, you know, people are in the industry, I guess, when people say to them, you got to see this band, one of their first reactions is probably like, I bet they're going to be shit. I yeah. don't want to see it. He came to see us. At that stage, we'd done loads of gigs that year. We were, like, gig tight. We were good. <laughs> uh, we played a good show. One thing I've got to give to the British is they believe in live music, you know? Mm -hmm. They come to these festivals mm -hmm. that are muddy cesspools of shit, and they see these bands, they bring their kids, there's like people at Glastonbury, you know, with this mud that is so thick that at one point Richie was standing still for a while, and when he tried to step, he fell over because his gumboots had sunk so, like yeah. a foot into Qu the mud. <laughs> yeah. There's like people with babies there, you know? Yeah. They come and they see the gigs, they're there at 1pm yeah. in this tent. They see us. Um, anyway... So we did, we did Jules Holland, and it was great. And we never went back. We didn't go back. And I don't know, like, I don't actually know what the, like, mistake was, but... um. So what, what was, the, I mean, what was the um, impact for you of doing Jules Holland? Like, how did... Well, we don't... For the band, how did you guys... No, but personally, how did you feel after doing it, apart from Sam's prophetic words? Oh, uh, yeah, great, man. You know, we now we had some... Because it looked good and sounded good, right? Yeah, well, like, you didn't fuck up. Oh, again, good. I was like, I wish we, we, had, we weren't wearing those stupid sort of blazers and stuff, but that was like because we ended up having this chat before we went to the UK, and the chat was basically our manager, Matt McLeod, and these are his words, like, Boys, listen, I just want you to know this. I don't give a fuck what you guys look like, but I've had, you know, people tell me over there 
that it matters over there and I'd hate for you to go over there and play great music and for people to not you know not like not want to work with you guys because you look too shabby and so we were like oh fuck okay well we better make an effort then and so you know we bought some nice jeans and some shirts and we sort of wore these blazers and I just um you know and it looked kind of tidy and it looked a bit middle-aged and so when I see that performance which I haven't watched in ages I yeah. boy I wish I wasn't wearing that blazer yeah anyway did he get them off the guy from Warner's <laughs> no because the guy from Warner's would have probably we, yeah I don't know anyway. <laughs> anyway you know that's a little bit of a there, there's some industry in, inside info. so you never went back you didn't we didn't go back up. for about a year and a half because yeah. Sam and I both of our partners like that entire year they'd basically solo parented all year yeah, long yeah 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 as had actually Tom's partner Rachel um and so you've got to come home. And, and Sarah was to do a master's, and Jessica started studying. Yeah. And so Sam and I did some solo parenting of our own mm. those years. Caught up. But the problem was that, in, and, you know, we kind of were looking at it from a New Zealand point of view, which is that basically in New Zealand, you know, you put out another album and people are going to care because it's New Zealand. But in the UK, since we had done Jules Holland, there'd been a fucking hundred other mm. likely likely hopefuls that had done it and we kind of needed I don't know whatever I, I went through a bit of a time of d- pretty dark vibe about it because then basically when Fandango came out so we made Fandango and basically I worked on Fandango I reckon for about 15 months or so while my younger son was at preschool so that's mm-hmm. four days a week from nine till two I'd go to the car club and we kind of went, and Conrad was living in Dunedin and it was kind of me and Sam um, chipping away mm. For a long, long time. Making quite a um, uh, big serve album, a double album. Yeah, well, but, you know, I think... It's only just a double album, but... But also, like, it's kind of like, again, I think there's a few tracks I'd take off it, but yeah. I kind of feel... I, I sort of felt like it was a pretty good double oh, album, really. Oh, so yeah. it's sort of like... It's only side four that needs to go. Yeah, and, you know, you are welcome to be wrong. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's happened once or twice. Um, so, but anyway, but basically, I don't know, man. A whole bunch of things happened. Maybe just no one at the BBC liked it. Basically, it just just didn't do anything. So in the UK, but kind of that was that. Was there a conversation or conversations? I mean, you, there's all this stuff with your partners going off to do training and work, and also needing support. You know. Uh, needing you guys to come up but was there a conversation the reverse of that of um, this is what it would take for us to move over here we do need to move no I reckon was it we, never that I was, think it always, was it always we can't move so we need to have a conversation around look like you know like we talked right at the start you know there's other people in the band right and we haven't necessarily talked about it much because actually like people get a bit annoyed yeah but my personal feeling is that no one at the time no one maybe from the UK gave us the advice that I know of and no one in our camp at the time I don't remember a conversation that was like this is the time to go there and fucking hit it hard because Jules Holland is a Mm. you know is an achievement and as a as a platform, as a launching pad, it's like a gatekeeper, right? Well, that's where Sam's words are spot on, though. True, yeah. isn't it? That's what I say. Like, I, and I remember last time talking to you, 
and we'd had some beers and you got quite dejected talking about the Glastonbury Jules Holland Buffalo experience saying I you said where's the effect of um, you know we I, I, I wanted I, we had it and I and I wanted a bit more like I wanted to go further than just that and I remember saying to you God anyone listening to this is gonna actually go uh, you guys have all got families and you know ostensibly happy li- happy enough lives and you've achieved a whole lot plus you've done that you're making music for movies that are doing well you're you know it's crazy to think like whilst you're allowed to go I would have liked more it's crazy to, to have such a like to other people it's going to sound crazy to have such a downer about that experience okay well I can uh, explain it yeah very easily first of all uh like many other people of my generation, I don't own my own house. I feel, you know, like I have financial anxiety every week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it does my fucking head in. And I've, and I, you know, my our, our household is well above the average income in New Zealand. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, let's let's not even get it. Fuck, I don't know. Let's not even get into that because mm-hmm. everything's so fucked, mm-hmm. right? Um, politically and economically in the world. Mm. But, um, but you know, uh, basically, I feel... Uh, hey, that, basically... I just, I just want to cut in and say that financial um, and political anxiety doesn't doesn't fade when you do own your own house. Sure, you know, sure, I but... Have, um, we, we own this house and we have the weekly struggle of making ends meet. Uh, yeah, sure, but uh, as my partner Sarah has pointed out, that it has been... Uh, proven that the best way to um, avoid elderly poverty is to own your own property. Sure. Anyway, you know, I have that kind of middle-class anxiety, I guess, sure. about wanting yeah, to own yeah. my... Anyway, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. But m- kind of more important than that, I like playing live music. I, like ro- mm. I like rocking out. I like tour. I mm. like going on stage and playing music to people who like it. If I feel that we had a chance... And for whatever reason, fate, whatever, it's kind of not really there anymore of getting ourselves to a point where we could be doing 50 gigs a year in Europe, Mm. playing the festivals, all coming home with like a decent sort of salary, having that fun and making money and making music if the cards had fallen a bit different. And like any human being, like... I made this analogy last time, or this, it's not an, actually it's not an analogy, I made this comparison last time. Brian Wilson went into a years-long depression because people thought the Beatles were the best band in the world, Mm -hmm. not the Beach Boys. So, I guess it doesn't matter how successful you are, you're still going to be a bit bummed out about that next thing. totally, you're So, I, you know, at this stage, I, I guess Phoenix Foundation play, like, I don't know, 15 gigs a year at most. Mm. Man, I just, I like playing music with those guys. I like being on tour. So, Mm. yeah, I'm bummed out that we're not um, in Europe. Mm -hmm. I'm jealous of the people who are doing it. Not in a, like, a... Yeah, yeah. Not in a, like, a a shitty way. way. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know... Well, you got that much closer to it than many other people have. Yes. In some ways, that's the thing that fucks me off the most. It was there. So I guess when I saw you last, I think I was much feeling it much more intensely. Plus, Mm. I was drunk. Mm -hmm. 
So, yeah, so I have uh, regrets. I've had a few. <laughs> um, and then the other thing is, the other thing, the thing that makes it doubly annoying is that in the world of music, I guess once you've had your moment of being like new and up, up and mm, coming, mm. Uh, I think it's pretty hard to get that again. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know exactly what our career choice is in terms of the UK because it's like we are res- sort of have a mild respect from, you know, the likes of Mojo, Uncut and The mm. Guardian. Mm. So we certainly, you know, we'll put out another album and people, it'll get probably some pretty good reviews. Mm. But it costs a lot of money to go there to play to not very many people. Bloody bloody. Anyway, it's all like, I don't know, it's all the future's a murky place on a career front. But career's a word I've only started using in, about my music in about the last three or four years. So... As I've gotten old and I realise I have no other options. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about a couple of the, the tangents um, from the Phoenix Foundation and your solo records. So you do a bit of work with... Damien for the close readers. Yep. Do you want to talk about that? Is there much to say there? Well, but that's actually kind of more Craig Terrace's gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Craig just asked me to... Come um, in and play. To come in and, and play. The cool thing about that is that Damien and I have talked about working together on something where he will either help me with lyrics for my songs or we'll do some kind of a ridiculous concept album of some sort. And we've talked about that for a couple of years and it's probably... And his mind is probably in that territory of something that gets talked about and it's never done. But I still fully intend to make something happen of that. Yeah. So this is Damien Wilkins, who's a writer, primarily a novelist and, yeah. a, and a teacher. Um, but he... And yeah. quite a sort of, a, I guess, a, um, another one of those kind of people who seems a bit of a key figure in, yeah. in a particular world. And he's yeah. a key figure in the New Zealand literary yeah, world, I guess. He's the... He taught Eleanor Cat and all she knows, right? He's the replacement as figurehead for the the thing that Bill Mannheim set up so yeah 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 so plus he's done his own books and his own work yeah yeah so his own thing too yeah 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 so demo yeah so he he puts out these records under the name the close readers um and they're pretty good records I like them but as you say Craig Terrace is kind of his right hand man there in terms of um, well, he's what one man rhythm section for him isn't he yeah well yeah well he he produced the album before uh, the album that um, I've I was on, but I enjoyed that mm. and yeah, great lyrics, mm. stories, you know, and you know it's a it's a he, well he's a he's a writer and apple pie bed. <laughs> oh yeah, apple pie bed. Well, I can't actually believe that he put that on his album. I actually wrote that. <laughs> yeah. So this is Lawrence Arabia, and it is uh, you know it's uh, it's it's a silver scroll winner. Yeah. So that's pretty much the only thing of note that I've won, and it's for something I haven't really done. <laughs> yeah. I just kind of helped out with the album. I, I think he, he, he says to me that uh, he thinks that the counter melody that I sing right at the end of the song was an integral part of the songwriting. That's why he gave me 5%, because I said, did you just give me 5% as a token gesture because I played, I kind of like finished off, sort of like played a final little piece on a bunch of songs on that album. Yeah. Um, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I've won a silver scroll. <laughs> is it in the bathroom where most people put this? <laughs> no, because you've got to give it back. Right, it's right. inscribed. Right, know? it's right. like a big so thing. So you don't get a take home though. No, no, no. Right, okay. Um, and and then teeth is. Yeah. Um, when did teeth start? 
Teeth started when we did the, it loosely started, or the, the seed was when we did drummer auditions around the time of That's recording right. Fandango and when right. Richie Singleton left. That's and Anthony right. Donaldson decided that he wanted to audition. Yeah. And he came to the audition, he hadn't really listened to the songs he was supposed to listen to because he said he doesn't have anything to listen to music on. Yeah. So he didn't really know what the songs were like. <laughs> so he played this version of Buffalo that was about a third of the speed, really weird. And then we did a version of 40 Years. And it kind of sounded like The Clean. Because um, he's just got this particular way of playing the drums. Mm-hmm. And I got really excited by by the idea of playing music with Anthony because my... The weakness, my weakness that I am aware of is kind of being a bit of a perfectionist or being a kind of... Being a studio guy. Mm-hmm. Having that earlobe production thing as opposed to a performance thing, you know, I'll sort of chip away at things for ages until they sound exactly like what I imagine they are supposed to sound like. Mm. What would That's Jeff Lynne do? <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of. <laughs> um, whereas Ant no, hasn't, he's like just doesn't really listen to any popular music. Doesn't listen to sort of uh, doesn't you know, he's just He's a true eccentric. Yeah. And he has an amazing amount of character when he plays the drums. And he plays them in specific, specific way. And the way is, one of the ways, I would define, define it, is that there's always a rawness. You cannot sound polished with him. And by polished, I mean like ELO. Like there mm. is a... He's obviously a musician who's played music for years and years and he has a high degree of proficiency. But his proficiency is not a smooth... It's not a smooth mm-hmm. thing. So basically, I got, I got excited about that, and I said, let's start a band. And it just took ages for the band to form. It just took ages for the music to form. How it just did David Long come into it? Well, we just knew we wanted another person. And at first, actually, we asked Mike Fab, mm. um, Lord Echo, and he was really into it, but he just is a bit too busy with his own music. He just mm. basically never never made it, made it. Because he's like, you know, he's spent years... And he's obviously excellent at making that sort of Studio One yeah. or a slash Afro-funk music like as good as anyone in the world that I've heard. But he's also like really good at playing crazy rock guitar. So I was like, you need an outlet for this shit. Um, hmm. But yeah, and then one day Ant Rat rang me and he's like, I know who it is, David Long. And I was like, shit, yeah. Every time I have the pleasure of David Long's company, I'm like, yeah, man, you're a great, great dude. We get along. And I like his music. And like, yeah, I'll take the opportunity to be in a band with David Long. And I rung him up and he was like, oh, that sounds like a really good idea. And he was obviously <laughs> pretty happy too. And um, yeah. Mm, mm. And so because you take... Still being the youngest person in the band at 38. Yeah, yeah. So you take a while to... Oh, and Tom from Phoenix Foundation uh, plays bass. Yes, yeah, yeah. So you you guys take a while to put the to get to recording, or rather, you you have a few false starts with the band, and that you play some gigs, but nothing really solidifies in terms of laying down a record or deciding you're even going to do that. But let's go to Teeth in terms of the record, because as I say, I'd I'd heard it when I talked to you last year, and then it came out earlier this year. It was released. You had a launch on Record Store Day. Yep. And uh, you were going to tell me about the frustrations. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. So basically, you know, <laughs> I feel like we made a pretty cool album. Yep. 
uh, we made it pretty quickly. The yeah. plane takes were three days, so it was exactly what what we wanted because, or what I wanted, and what it turned out what Dave Long had wanted because Dave Long had always made pop albums where they would do lay down the drums first and then construct an album mm. around it. We lay down just the band takes in three days at the car club by ourselves. Then it took me like ages to get all the vocals on because lyrics are a nightmare for me. And we did a few overdubs, but it's generally band takes with a few overdubs and some produced vocals. Then we mixed it and I reckon about four days at the surgery. Anyway, you know, they don't have a manager, didn't have any money to hire any publicists or anything like that. So I just kind of did it myself, but I'm not very good at admin. Man, like I didn't even receive emails back from people. Like, the, I sort of, I don't know. I don't think I was naive to think that an album by, you know, members of Phoenix Foundation and Muttonbirds would mm. find some interest in the music press of New Zealand. Like, I would think that people would give a flying fuck. But it seemed that most. I don't actually know if like maybe like so like I didn't get an email back from any of the newspapers like the Herald. They don't Dom care though. Post. But do you think there is a music press in New Zealand? See, this is where you've gone wrong. Do you think I guess there is I got, one? Now? I guess I got. Um, there isn't one. Bollinger reviewed it. Nick, yeah. Obviously, and yeah. the I think there was a, oh, there was a review on the Listener, but I never saw it, and I don't think it was him. Well, they got, yeah. Well, he, he, he doesn't do it. it. So do apparently, it there was a good review on the Listener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and oh, the spin-off did something, yeah. and the wireless did something in UTR. So actually, like I guess the three things, yeah. but that's about all you I can hope I guess I just sort of like. I mean, I guess maybe I just wasn't prepared for the amount of work that it is to like actually put it out and have. I haven't written for the tour. I haven't written for the Dominion Post for a year. I still get I still get emails from people that work at the Dominion Post asking me if I can cover something. Yeah, they think I work there. Yeah. That's how fucked up the newspaper world is. I, I also get requests from, you know, I get requests from random people asking me to cover things in the paper and why can't I? But I actually get internal ones and I get like uh, messages saying, can you, can we, you know, I don't know, interview about, you know, ask you a question about something to do with music when they fucking fired me. Well, why yeah. am I going to do that? Like, why yeah. am I going to give them a free copy, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And But they can't even pass around an internal... So, so what I'm saying is that's not me having a bitch. That's me saying no wonder they didn't reply to your email. They can't yeah, even yeah. tell the people that work for them not to email someone else and ask for free content anymore. Yeah. So, so you know, don't worry about you know, don't worry about it too much. And yeah, if and got, uh, if you got covered in spin-off wireless and under the radar, that's and the listener, you that's it. Bitch, that is it. Yeah. That's absolutely. Okay. Well, you, there you go. Maybe you I just have. Maybe I just have, you know, delusions of grandeur. fucking grandeur. You do. Because the only thing you could have maybe got, perhaps, that you didn't as a review in the Herald, but also you're not an Auckland band, and they, you're saying you, you've had enough troubles with Auckland over the years, occasionally, in terms of the Phoenix the Foundation and stuff. were an Auckland band. There's even a plaque on yeah. Dominion Road, mate. Yeah, yeah, but... The they pe- had number one singles. But the people writing copy for the Dominion po- uh, for the Herald born. now were probably born <laughs> when Dominion yeah, Road sure. came out. So, sure. you know, they're more interested in writing an article about, like, you know... Sure, I guess deep in my... You know, what I guess, Sandwich Lord likes I guess I'm an outsider in, yeah. that, in that I don't... For, I guess, that the way the world really works and the music industry world really works that everyone wants, especially now where it's just reached saturation point with new music, people want to be excited about a hot new thing and then forget about it 
when the next hot new things new thing comes out like that's mm. sincerely that seems to be the way it works like pitchfork seems to kind of still maybe rule i mean i don't even really know i'm so out of touch with anything really so i mean let's let's just have a confessional here <laughs> Pitch, pitchfork kind of seems to rule everything and it kind of maybe Does decides it? Well, I think it. I think uh, well, I wouldn't think it did anymore. But I think uh, a friend of mine, <laughs> a friend of mine, was reviewed on Pitchfork, and pretty much the next day, their manager was emailed by Primavera Sound in right. yeah, yeah. in Spain, right? Okay. So it still has a lot of influence, as far as I sure. see. Yeah, There's yeah. probably loads of other things that I got no idea about because I'm 38. But you know, I I just don't work. Like that. I guess for mm. me, I go, well, I've put out six albums and with the Phoenix Foundation and three EPs and two solo albums and done all these soundtracks and mm. Dave's put out these albums and toured Europe with fucking played arenas around Europe with Simple Minds and, mm. um, you know, written, you know, been in a band that had number one singles in New Zealand and that has a, there is like, like we've, quote unquote, paid our dues. Yeah. You know, like, so there's, I guess you've got the two sides of that coin. You've got, like, either you've got a sense of entitlement and you, there's an old, old boys club and yeah. fuck you, you're the establishment. But on the flip side, it's like, actually, I've done shitloads of shit gigs um, for free when I was younger. You know, I've done all that shit. So maybe I do, maybe I did, or maybe I do sort of, uh, maybe it's... Maybe it's okay that I feel like maybe um, that I've paid my juice, yeah. that I've been around, and you know the problem. So with, the problem with your level of entitlement there, and I have it too. I have exactly the same thing. The problem with your level of entitlement there is that nowadays it's about clickbaits and viral hits. So your pedigree doesn't matter a share of shit to someone who nah, just, who just a, wants to yeah, cover yeah. you know you're too old frankly which yeah sucks. exactly I'm, and a, I feel I'm, the same. A, I'm a 38 year old dad so yeah. and I'm pretty I'm mellow a, I'm a 41 year old dad that wrote coffee smoke a bit of pot now and then at my house you know <laughs> but I wrote <laughs> no, copy, I, I don't do that I wrote all. I wrote copy for people for years for free and now um, and then I worked my way up to getting paid and now no one wants to pay for copy so what do I do you know hey like, hey <laughs> We've arrived again. <laughs> Middle-aged yeah, men totally. whinging. Totally. We've, That's the fucking always, problem. That's always, what happens when you hit 40. Totally. You get a bit annoyed. <laughs> Where are you going? I don't know. I'm just pacing around. Yeah, yeah. So Let's um, get off that one. Yeah, yeah, totally. Let's maybe even get rid of it. <laughs> Jesus, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I guess... I guess... I guess when you'd make something and you think it's good and you think people will like it, I guess maybe, especially in New Zealand, you're just setting yourself up to be like mildly disappointed. Yeah. But, but the thing is, you know, look at the election. New Zealand is a mildly disappointing place because yeah. there's a lot of promise of how cool things could be, and they're not that cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I guess that's my experience of putting out teeth, is that. Is that I had a lot of fucking fun making that album, and people who do hear it like really it. like it. Yeah. And people come to our shows, and they're almost like surprised, you know. Like there's like all these kind of like we had a couple of like younger support bands in in Auckland who were like really into it. Yeah. Because I guess it's not what you expect from a Phoenix Foundation Mutton Birds side project. You yeah, don't necessarily yeah. expect walls of feedback, but um, it's really fun. And so, yeah, it's a confession. Maybe I expected too much. Maybe I have a sense of 
um, you know, fucking white male entitlement about it. Sure I do. I'm a middle-aged white male. Um, I will acknowledge all of, all of this. It doesn't change the fact that I felt, you know, a bit annoyed and disappointed. I don't know, no, maybe disappointment. Like maybe you just have to learn how to deal with disappointment and that's how you grow up. I don't know. No, you do. And that's, you, you, you know, you're allowed to feel that way. Like, it's a completely, uh, no one needs to tell you what you're allowed to feel, but it's a completely valid response. Yeah, I totally don't be understand a, an it. Emotion Nazi, Simon. I, I'm, I'm being far from that. I, um, I, I'm just saying, like, you do have to realize and it's it's an indictment as much as anything that uh that uh people just frankly don't give a shit anywhere near as much of a shit as you want them to yeah of course and why would they care about like the plight of your album because because people and also i don't really and and also i'm pretty lazy about listening to new to new music so what a fucking hypocrite um but the other thing is well i haven't made it through (laughs) an an album that's come out and like the last well, two go. years, you're your own worst enemy. Yeah. You know, like that's the thing. But you, generally, again, because I'm disappointed by them. Yeah, but the the other perception that people will never shake is that you're a musician and a full time musician. So people just figure one way or another, you must be doing quite well because you've chosen this, and they just think, you know. And I get the same. Yeah, well, oh, that's why I'm one of the luckiest people in the world, is because I have actually chosen my path. life, yeah, 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 lifestyle, and that's one of those big fucking right-wing lies, isn't it, is the word choice. Well, yeah. I actually did, I actually had choice, so I really shouldn't necessarily complain. I chose to never own a house. <laughs> um, is there going to be another Teeth record, like, that will be, so. you know, you, so and there's going to be more shows and... Yeah, yeah, shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We, we like it. The problem... I was going to say, because it feels like a largely happy, apart from the story you've just told, which I understand, oh. it's always felt like a pretty happy experience. The teeth shows I've been to have been really good. I just I just suck at admin, basically. Well, this is the I other... suck, at, um, suck at personal admin, you know, to, to yeah, fucking yeah. taxes from years ago and all that shit, <laughs> lying around. Yeah. So try organising a tour. It's so no, much, totally. so much this emailing. Is, this is this other thing that's the... The problem, this is the other problem, isn't it? Is that um, everyone, like creative people, are largely having to be self-managed and in, in some capacity, which means that you become your own marketer. And if you're working on marketing and promotion, that takes a lot of time. It's not your best skill set. It's not your be- best use of time, but it has to be. And so the work that you do gets compromised. The amount of time you can spend on the work and the, the amount of the toll that it takes to make the work yeah, it's, and it's what so about what about chopping up, up the onions, peeling the potatoes, exactly. making three different meals for the um, onion intolerant vegetarian and the really <laughs> um, specific dietary requirements for your children, yeah. and then and making then the having lunches, to do the getting, fucking yeah. the dishes, and then the school lunches, and then like oh shit, look, there's five loads of of washing here. Uh, and I don't know, you know, like so yeah, I guess yeah. Anyway, so. Oh my God, here we are yeah, again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> you need to sit down. I haven't even, I haven't even drunk any beers. No, you haven't drunk but any beers. But anyway, that's need, just you reality. To, you need to sit down and hydrate and talk about um, Stop. the next Phoenix let's, Foundation. Let's get, let's, you've got the power of editing. Edit yeah. the whinging. Because oh, we don't nah. need it. No, we do need it this time. Okay. Because it's because it's sober it's sober whinging and it's 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 honest. But and that's but that's not even like necessarily talking about that shit. That's not even necessarily whinging, that's just like no. that's just the way it it's goes. It's just acknowledging the reality yeah, kids, of it. You get older and it's like, well actually I can no longer just fuck off for a tour where I make no, no money. Not. Because I just can't I just actually can't do that. But again, 
people listening to this will go, uh, the dude scores TV shows for Netflix. Um, there's got to be some paycheck in that that's, uh, you know, keeping him running on some level. Um, and, uh, you know, it'll be a lot of other people that would want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Isn't yeah. that the sort of paradox of contemporary life? Absolutely. That nothing's good enough while it's all kind of an awesome. You yeah, have it's amazing everything. to be connected You have to everything it. and none of it's sort of none of it actually makes you content in any way mm, mm. that's how I feel well let's try and finish on a slightly I more so, I hate myself so much <laughs> let's try and finish on a slightly more upbeat note um, what's <laughs> is there anything that makes you happy no no so let's 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 go slightly just a little bit up from there yeah next Phoenix Foundation you've started you've got some songs yeah, um, we've already had one um, tense sort of argumenty moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we started on some songs. Around um, what? <laughs> nothing. That's I'm just oversharing. I'm just trying to make a downer out of out of it. Um, I don't think okay, you have to, so you have to work too hard to do that. The way that that's happening is Chris lives in Auckland. Tom, yeah. is, Tom is away right now in England on a family holiday. Will's been doing a lot of work in Auckland too, so he's sort of in and out of Wellington. Um, so it's kind of like me and Sam and Con. It's got a bit of an old school feel about it, the way it's getting made. And thus far it's got a bit of an old school Phoenix sound about it too, which um, is, uh, you know, it's confusing. I'm trying to process how I feel about about that um, you know there's always a bit of a conflict in me anyway about um, wanting a, the between wanting to push forward and do things that are new and interesting and challenging versus the versus having a sound and having a style and just being okay with that and enjoying some good songs as opposed to attempting to push mm. things into some cosmic territories. So we'll see how it goes. We're trying to be finished by the end of the year. Right, yeah. We're going as hard good. as we can. Yeah, right. Unfortunately, it's not that hard because, like, Sam can only do Tuesdays and yeah. Thursdays because yeah. of kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, you're not going to ring me up and tell me I can't release this one? You feel okay about, uh, yeah, about sure. what we've talked about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there anything else we need to to do anything you want to say that you haven't no I've ranted a lot <laughs> what about you Simon is there anything else that you want to say this isn't for me This well it is for me of course <laughs> it's for me but uh, no no I'm, I'm glad you um, I'm glad you came back around and I'm glad we had this talk I feel like your um, your story is really interesting in, in exactly that paradox you talked about you know you, you're a guy that's part of a band that does other stuff as well outside of that but in terms of the trajectory of the band and the appeal of it you've conquered a lot of things achieved a lot of things and yet there has to be this frustration about you know not quite getting to I guess the mythical next level which we've which we've talked about yeah and I don't I'm not you know I mean I, I'm just gonna uh I'm, I'm just going to um, define that a little bit more. I'm not talking about a U2 level. No. I'm talking about, you know, playing to like 800 people in, 
you you know in sort of like San Fran sized or yeah. slightly bigger venues yeah. thousand people but just tops. getting to yeah, just, yeah. but just I just quite enjoy it I like I like travelling yeah. and I like um, cheap um, you know Sudanese falafel mm. um, wanker um, <laughs> so yeah yeah I feel like uh, do you feel Simon like we've touched upon the, all the stuff that you thought was worthwhile from last time and that I have been, yeah, I guess I'm honest enough, but I feel like maybe a little bit less, maybe drainy, a little bit less embarrassing. We talked quite a little bit last time about your, um, about your childhood and, oh, uh, and, and, you know, and your, you know, your background, like coming to New Zealand, your parents, the sort of immigrant coming story. Coming to America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um. And so I, ha- I purposely haven't revisited that in that I thought that might have been something you didn't want out in the world in a way. Oh, no, I don't, but, I don't mind. But I feel like we've ended up at a good place. Yes, yeah. I'm an immigrant, and it was, it was a, bit, <laughs> it's a bit weird coming to a new country I don't mean, when you're I don't, Yeah, I don't mean that you didn't want it out in the world for any reason other than that thing of you're starting to talk for members of your family as well oh, as yeah, about yeah, them, yeah. is all I mean. Yeah, yeah. You know, and some people get it as well as talking for members of the band. So that's that's sort of what I sensed from you in terms of... No, I'm perfectly happy coming here and taking, you know, taking this job from a ordinary, hard-working New Zealander, <laughs> you know, who's got a name that actually sounds like a New Zealand name, you know, that you can actually pronounce. <laughs> um, well, good luck with the new album. I reckon we leave it there, but good luck Thanks, with the Simon. new album, and it was nice to catch up and nice yeah, to talk. Yeah, and sorry to, um, sorry to uh, do a whole but huge podcast and then ask you not to put it out. Oh, it was I feel a... this has been better, though. Oh, yeah. Hey, was look... it quicker? How long was it? Yeah, no, it was quicker. Hey, last time we had, a good, we had a good chat, though, still, and we had, a few, we had a few drinks, and it was still an okay evening, I thought. Yeah. It didn't end up, you know, it didn't end up tense or anything, did it? It was just, you, no, went, no. you just went away and went, woke up the next day and went, oh, fuck, what did I say? How much yeah. did I share? That's all that happened. Yeah. And I thought, you know, that's the first time that's actually happened as far as I'm aware too, which is kind of good. Yeah. You know, hopefully other people haven't walked away and gone, oh, fuck, I, I said that. <laughs> <laughs>